0: Welcome to the When God Calls podcast. I am your host, Michael McCaskill, public servant, lay servant, and cancer survivor. Each episode, you will hear motivational stories from people whose lives have been changed by serving others. Along the way, you'll get tips and strategies that you can use to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for listening. Now let the journey continue. There's nothing that
1: will challenge your faith more than getting ready to sit in front of a bunch of high school seniors on any given Sunday to teach Bible study. I got a question.
0: Are you happy with the life you live? Or does it take more than it is? So today we have on the show Dave Westbury. He is the voice of the Marching Chiefs. Welcome, Dave.
1: Thanks, Mike. It is great to be with you.
0: So tell me a little bit about how you got here. Where would you come from?
1: (laughs) Well, uh, as many of your listeners will find out later on, I know that you and I have had the privilege of working together professionally for a while. It's it's been a few years since we've been able to to share that time together. But as far as uh, my history, I was uh, born in South Georgia, raised over in St. Augustine, Florida, the nation's oldest city. Very small family, my mom and dad and I and my older brother, came to Tallahassee back in the late 70s to finish up Florida State and uh, got my accounting degree from FSU, fell in love with Tallahassee, just really enjoyed living there, everything about it, from the university setting to state government and things like that, and decided that I wanted to start a career in state government um, and stay right there in Tallahassee. So I've been here ever since.
0: Speaking of your parents... What is the most important lesson that your parents taught you?
1: Ooh, well, first and foremost, their exposure to my church life and, and exposing me to uh, my faith and uh, the habits that went into attending church, Bible study, those parts of my life that became the foundation for my belief system— and my faith and my personal walk with Jesus Christ, they laid that foundation early on. Uh, I had a privilege that probably a lot of folks didn't have and that um, it was something that we just did regularly. So, you know, first and foremost, it, you know, I have issues of faith. Outside of that, I got to tell you, its it's probably the lesson that they taught me is to always do my best no matter what I was doing. I guess it was one of those things where it didn't matter whether i was raking leaves or playing softball or doing my schoolwork it was one of those things where they always encouraged me to do my absolute best at all times no matter what it was uh, there was a pretty high bar my brother was actually older and let's say, uh, perhaps a little more scholastic than I was. So that bar was set uh, and put a little pressure on me as I went through my formative years, but uh, I survived it and did that. So uh, I was able to, to survive and, and move on. But certainly those two things, my, the basis of my faith and my personal walk, as well as just making sure that I, I worked hard and, and did my best at everything I was doing.
0: Yeah, we're both uh, fortunate in that our family life growing up was, was stable. And it was is a wonderful thing to have. You came from a little bit larger spot than I did. Uh, I grew up in a small rural community, and mm-hmm. I think you grew up in a, a much larger place. But bottom line is we got a base for our life from our parents. And in doing that, they taught us how to love and how to love each other. What does love your neighbor as yourself mean to you?
1: Well, I think the the simple answer is it, it means exactly what it says. You know, my pastor recently reminded us in a church service and went down this path with us early on, um, you know, is you, you can't really love God without loving each other. And that, that's kind of what we're commanded to do. Scripture tells us everything about the about that relationship that we should have with each other, whether it's from the Good Samaritan, which pretty much sets the bar for us, to taking care of each other and it doesn't matter whether we're different backgrounds different denominations different ethnicities you know you name it socioeconomic situations it's just one of those things where we're given that command and and uh it, it's pretty much a non option you know and and the the thing everybody always asks is well, you know how do you define your neighbor and of course the answer is everyone you know it's one of those things it doesn't come with with uh any exceptions or or strings attached to it or anything else like that.
0: Yeah, thanks for that, because, you know, we, we have to love each other to love God. You are so right in that statement. And we we're built, created by a loving God. And He instilled in us that to love each other is the most important thing we can do to show our love for God.
1: Yeah, and, you know, in one of the Bible stories that I always think about in— Folks who try to withdraw or necessarily don't live their lives with that mindset of loving everybody that they meet, you know, and it's one of my favorite Bible stories as a kid growing up was the story of Jonah and of course, we all know that basically when he was given some instructions by God to do something, and it was one of those things where he went, you know no, I don't want to do that i'm going to I'm going to go run off and hide from God, and i'm going to run off and hide from from other people." and I'm just going to do my thing in kind of isolation. And, of course, we know that didn't work out real well for Jonah <laughs> at the end. But, you know, it's one of those things where you've got to deal w- with those other people, and, and that's what we're commanded to do. You know, and when you don't love others in Jesus' name, the world just kind of kind of stiffens, and uh, and the world suffers because we don't do that, and and we just need to keep that in mind.
0: You spent most of your professional career in government. So what effect did your Christianity have on your professional life? Well,
1: it definitely refined my prayer life, (laughs) because it was one of those (laughs) things where it was feast or famine, you know. But my faith really kept me sane throughout my, my working career. And don't get me wrong, from early on, I was one of those guys that coming out of college, good job early on, I was successful, I worked hard at it, thought I knew everything, thought I could just handle all my business all the time and then you you run into stumbling blocks and you run into challenges and you realize you don't have all the answers you realize you don't have the ability to to handle everything yourself and you know and that's when you you kind of look upward and you go all right lord help me out here because i i'm not sure what exactly you're trying to tell me i'm not sure exactly what you want me to do how i should respond how I should move forward, you know, and it was funny because my first job when I when I went to work right out of college and a job in the legislature, in a legislative agency, I was blessed because a number of the people that I worked with were fellow Christians, folks that I knew from my church. And let me tell you, that's when you surround yourself with brothers and sisters in Christ, it is a huge relief because you know that they know what you're going through, the struggles, the, the other things, and you can Find people that will pray for you, that will lift you up, that will nod. And folks will kick you in the butt when you're not doing something right, you know, and, and hold you accountable in that respect. And if you can incorporate that and bring your, your Christianity to play like that in a nine-to-five work setting, Monday through Friday, work becomes a whole lot easier and a whole lot less stressful. So in that respect, it just kind of kept me sane. I was like, I say, it, it kind of kept me between the ditches.
0: Yeah, there there are times in your professional career, and you've had them and I've had them, where life hits you in the face. You, mm-hmm. It changed on you. All of a sudden, you thought you were headed in a certain trajectory in your professional career, and then all of a sudden, things change. Rugs pulled out from under you. And when that happens, without a basis, a life base, you don't know where to go. And uh, I know I've, I've had that situation happen to me, and I know uh, you've had that happen to you where, you know, you've, you're drawn to your knees by life, which mm-hmm. is a good place to be because looking up, God's standing there with you. He's walking through it with you. He may not have put you there, but he's bringing you out of it. Is there a time in your career when when God was leading you in a direction that you just didn't follow? Not that I was aware of at the time, let's
1: put it that way. It was one of those things where I'd like to think that I was pretty sensitive to what God's will was for me. Um, I don't think I ever pushed back on anything specific. More importantly, I think it was one of those times where just day to day, just because living life is is what it is, my relationship was probably not as strong as it should have been. You go through those peaks, you go through those valleys— you have times where you wander a little bit, you stray, you, you realize that you're probably not living the lifestyle exactly, or, or your prayer life may not be as good as it should be, um, you're not, you know, your other priorities, and, and priorities are a ton of things from where you spend your time to where you spend your money and everything else. You, you know, your focus is just not where it needed to be. And every now and then, you get that, you know, slap in the face that says, hey, dummy, you need to pay attention to what you're doing here. Sometimes it comes in the form of a challenge at work. Sometimes it comes in a personal challenge in your life where you just have to get on your hands and knees again and say, okay, Lord, explain to me how this is going to work because I can't do this by myself. And it's it's humbling when when things, you know, especially when things go don't go right in the workplace. And, you know, there have been times when... I thought I was large and in charge. And then to find out that, that you're not, when you, when you find out that no matter how hard you try um, and no matter how hard you work and how smart you think you are, when somebody else deem you, deems you to be inadequate or not perfect for the job that you think you are, that's crushing I mean, that just will—it is the most humbling thing in the world. I mean, it makes you want to curl up in a corner and go, what am I doing? You know, but again, when you come along and ask God to walk with you and you seek Him and seek His will and He'll open those other doors and He'll open other paths and He'll put other people in your life to to walk with you, It's it's a game changer. I mean, it is, you know, it's like— it it's like living without hope versus living with hope because you know exactly who's in control. And as long as you're seeking him, then you know, you're gonna be okay in the end. You're gonna come out the other end of it. It may not be in the timetable as quickly as you'd like it to be. You know, it might not happen tomorrow. It may happen six months, six years from now. But you gotta you just have to understand that there is a path there and the Lord leads you through it.
0: You also have to open your mind to know that. The path may not be the one you think it's going to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we tend to try to to navigate our own way, and God tends to tell you a lot of times when you're listening, ah, it's not quite the way I need you to go, and so you have to be willing to, you know, take that punch in the face from from life, from the world, but then take God's direction after that happens, and and sometimes that's tough. I know it has been in my life, but. You have to, you know, he, he, when you're there on your knees and there's nowhere else for you to go and God's sitting there coaxing you on, you know, you need to be hearing that and doing what He's asking you to do. Which brings up this. Has there been a time in your career when you felt God has pushed you and you listened and you actually did what He was asking? And if so, how did that turn out?
1: Well, if you're ever walking in sync with what God is, is intends for your life, you're going to be in good shape. And, you know, and it doesn't mean that you're going to, have challenge, going to be challenge-free or you're not going to have issues or you're not going to, you know, everything's not going to be rosy all day. But, yeah, and I think it's not necessarily acting on God's will as much as it is accepting God's will for what He's doing for you. You know, late in my career, I was asked to assume a different role. And it was one of those things where, you know, okay, Lord, is this what you want for me or or is this is this one of those things where I should go and do something else? you know but when you when you sit down and and talk through it and you pray about it and you ask God to lead you through it and you understand what's going on, you say, you know, God show me what you want me to do and doors will open and whether it's lessons that you learn along the way, you know a lot of patience you know there's there's a lot to be said with Uh, the lessons that I'm, that I've learned in my life, a lot of them have been about humility and patience, you know, and those are not exactly fun things at the time, but um, I always find that the more I'm in tune and the more that I walk in consort with God's will for my life, the more peace I have about it and it, it, you know, and it, I don't know any other way to say it is there's less anxiety, there's less stress, there's less, there's less concern, you know. And it changes my whole demeanor, my whole mood. You
0: know. Sure. And we, you know, we, uh, we're used by God wherever we are for paying attention. We're listening to what he's saying. We may not be in a situation we want to be in. And we also may not be in a situation God wants us to be in. The world mm-hmm. does put you in those places. However... He is always looking to use you in those situations to glorify Him, but we have to pay attention and do those things. I know for me, um, it's hard to listen when I'm, my feelings are hurt, when when the world has taught told me that I am not adequate, as you mm-hmm. had mentioned before, or that I'm wrong in their eyes. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me to accept that, and although I may be wrong in the, in the world's eyes, if I'm letting God use me in the situation I'm sitting in. I'm not wrong in his eyes. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make those mistakes. we all mm-hmm. going to make them. Mm-hmm. But if I let him use me, I've found at least that there is a peace. There is a natural order of life at that point where things seem to click, even though you're still in the valley. They're starting to click and you're starting to come out of that. And he's using you to change the world around you, whether you realize it or not. So I want to switch gears a little bit. You spent a lot of your life in music. Your dad was a musician. Your dad was a band director, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. which is where you probably got your love for music, I'm I'm sure. Tell me about when you started. When did you know you loved music and when did that happen?
1: Yeah, that's a great story because when I was a kid growing up, my dad was a graduate of Florida State with a degree in music education, and he was a high school band director for his entire life and his entire career. So, you know, me hanging around marching bands and and concert bands and just music in general was something that I had done from the time I could form my first memory. So obviously when I was growing up, i have learned musical instruments. Uh, my brother did as well. Uh, we both played in high school band, and when I came to Florida State, I, of course, knew that one of the premier marching, collegiate marching bands was the Florida State University Marching Chiefs, and I wanted nothing more than to be a part of that organization. So I, I joined the Chiefs and marched in Chiefs during the three years that I was at FSU in the falls in late 1970s. And it was great. You know, I, I absolutely loved being around uh, – musicians and stuff like that even though I was an accounting major. And that's one of the things that folks don't really understand a lot of times or they they kind of miss the the fact that in a collegiate setting like Florida State and it's true at many other schools throughout the nation, you know, probably only about half the kids that are in the band are actually music majors. Uh the other half are made up of kids from every walk in college and school on the campus because of their love for music and just the organizations like that and whether it's just because they love football or they love basketball or whatever then you know that they find a reason to associate like that and it's just a great group and it's so talented so many talented folks so i love that time i mean when i was at fsu even though i was uh, in the college of business uh it gave me an, a great outlet to spend time and it was like instantaneous 400 friends you know you didn't have to worry about trying to join a fraternity or a sorority or anything else like that cuz you had built in a social life right there when you when you become a member of the Marching Chiefs. And it was a great time and and had a great experience and uh, the year I graduated I was living in Tallahassee. I'd taken a job in the legislature here in Tallahassee and the stadium announcer that had worked for them for uh, a few years before when I was in in the marching chiefs, he actually left Tallahassee, took a job down in Tampa, and they needed a new stadium announcer. Long story short, they held some auditions one fall afternoon, right before football season started. I was out there at the field. They asked me if I wanted to audition to be the next voice of the marching chiefs. I said, sure, why not? So I did. The students took a vote. And of course, it was, may have been skewed because Granted, I knew about three hundred of the four hundred of them that were out there, and uh, they asked me to do it. The band director let the students decide who they wanted to be their next voice, and they they voted and they asked me to do it. Uh, that was 1981, the fall of 1981, and I've been doing it ever since. So this is this would be if we have football this fall, which Lord willing we will. Uh, this will be the 40th year behind the mic of announcing for the Florida State University Marching Chiefs.
0: Wow, what a string of years. And you've seen a lot of things come and go during the time that you've been in that position. Mm -hmm. Coaches, uh, winning teams, losing teams. And it's provided you some opportunities in that position to see some things that most people wouldn't. Have you had any opportunities to serve others in the setting of being the announcer of the Marching Chiefs?
1: Yeah, and that's really one of the great things is when you're when you're able to kind of hang out with the chiefs and be around them and and work with them, you've got exposure to so many young people who are gifted, they're smart, they're hard working, and you know, they are always the thing about college students and sometimes it's hard for me to re- remember four decades removed, but they are always seeking and searching and developing their own belief systems and their own understandings about everything from the scholastic side of their life to their 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 belief system and and their religious beliefs and anything else social you name it so you have that opportunity to be there and talk with them mentor them be a role model to them sometimes it's overt sometimes it's very subtle you know it and it varies from year to year certain individuals you strike up relationships with and you get closer to them and and they will share with you what they're going through and you have a chance to kind of just be there as an adult figure that that's non-threatening it's not a faculty member I'm not a staff person I'm not a family member so it gives me an opportunity just to interact with them and it's and it is a great opportunity to sit there and share with them. As fate would have it, you do have that opportunity to talk about issues of faith and, and what you believe and why you believe it and what you think is important. And they're very inquisitive and very open. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hoot. It really is a lot of fun. And I'm glad God gives me that opportunity to do that and be in the lives of those students.
0: So has there been a kid or a group of kids while you've been interacting with them that have really affected you?
1: Yeah, that definitely has been. And and this goes way back, and I'll give, I'll give you a couple of just anecdotal things that come to mind. When I was actually in Chiefs, there were a number of friends of mine that we were very close. And uh, there's one gentleman in, in particular now. He's my age we actually were in school together, in chiefs together, and never knew him to be a Christian, never knew him to be a seeker. He was, you know, he lived his life and had his set of real close friends, but we, we were acquaintances. We knew each other. We moved in the same circles to a, to a large extent, but we were never really close personal friends and never shared any conversations of faith. And it was probably 30 years after he had graduated and left and i was still with the chiefs and one homecoming they were he was he was back in town and we had a chance to visit and we were out on the field just talking and sharing a little bit catching up about you know family and friends and married life and everything else kids and and all of those kind of details and he shared with me he said something to me he said you know he said i wasn't a christian when i was in college but i got to let you know that I always looked at you and viewed you, and I knew that you were different. And I thought, okay, let's see where this goes. <laughs> and, and that conversation led into his sharing with me that even though we had not had specific discussions about faith and where, what, what our belief systems were, he knew from a distance and he was inquisitive, and he was searching, and he was, he, and he knew from his perspective that I had a different set of priorities, perhaps, than the way he had lived his life, and it was something that he wanted. So he went on his own journey, searching that out, and came to a realization of what that was, found Christ, has now a personal relationship with Him, and I had zero to do with it in the respect of sharing with Him at the time. But to know 30 years later that you had anything to do with anybody's faith or acceptance of Christ as their personal Savior is, is just the craziest feeling. I mean, it, it just warms your heart to know that you had lived a life that impacted somebody in even a little way, much less that it would come back to you 30 years from then.
0: Yeah, I've had similar experiences with that. When I was going through my cancer treatments, uh, I had a friend who is a professed non-Christian. He, he's not a believer at all. And he and I had, had conversations about that, and uh, we respect each other's positions. Uh, but I didn't change the way I live or the way I uh, talked about Christ and my God. And he didn't either. And one day when I came back and I was back at work, I attended a meeting that he was at, and he pulled me to the side, and he said, you know, I've never watched anybody go through what you've gone through with the peace that you went through it. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, that all stemmed from just being friends with the guy, but also him seeing in me something that God was doing, not that I was doing. You're right, and the feeling is you can't match it. So I, I, I hear you, and that's a wonderful thing.
1: Yeah, let me let me share with you. There was another, uh, more recently, I had an opportunity to share a meal with a student that one of the student leaders in the marching chiefs a couple of years ago, and um, he wanted to meet me. And it was a class project he was doing, and he was shooting some video, and he wanted to talk about some ideas and stuff, and just wanted to pick my brain. So I said sure. So we met in a local restaurant and sat down, and we were going to share a meal. When the food came, I. Paused and bowed my head and said grace to myself. And we went on and shared and talked and everything. And he asked me his questions for his school project and everything and didn't think anything about it. And then I guess a couple weeks later, he called me up and uh, said, hey, I got some more follow-up questions. You think we could grab some lunch again? I said, sure, no problem. Met met at the same place, sat in almost the same exact place. And when when we got together and the food came, he and he he stopped me. He says, "Do you mind if I say grace over our food?" I said, "Absolutely not." And so he said blessings, and and we went ahead and ate. And he continued to share with me that uh, that gave that emboldened him to go ahead and be more open about his Christianity and to share a meal with somebody that he didn't know very well. And we had a nice conversation about faith and what he believed and where he grew up and where he was going to church now and some of the concerns he had. And it was just, it was one of those simple things that just bowing your head and saying grace over a plate of food that had been served to you without trying to be in your face with anybody or anything else. He noticed and immediately picked up on and said, I know, I know what he's doing. I, I want to share my faith with him. So that gave him the opportunity to step out on that walk and to be more open about his own, his own faith. And hopefully that will set the stage and did set the stage for him to be more confident and, and outgoing about sharing it with other folks. And that's just really just kind of cool stuff. you know. It doesn't have to be anything just super intense and, or uh, specific. It can be just simply living a life in which other folks can look at you and see Christ reflected in you somehow, some way for them to say, I, I need a piece of that. I, I need to be a part of that. I need to know what he knows, you know, and and or I need to be more cognizant of how I live my life to be like that uh, as an example, as a role model. And trust me, when you're around that many college students, you are always on display.
0: Yeah, they're always watching. And, Absolutely. And we have to be seed planters. If we'll plant them, God will water them. It's nice to know that People are watching, and people are watching the right people. Has there been a situation where you knew God put you in it for a purpose?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I'll go back to my church life when after going through highs and lows as a young professional, I kind of settled in after my wife and I got married and we were finding our way into adult Bible study classes and stuff at First Baptist, and we felt like, I felt like God was calling me to do more, do more, do more, and you know we started with Sunday morning Bible study and started teaching high school students and It was kind of my wheelhouse. I was comfortable with them. It was one of those things where I had good friends uh, at the church, and we started team teaching some high school students, and I thoroughly enjoyed that for over a decade of of preparing. And let me tell you, there's nothing that will challenge your faith more than getting ready to sit in front of a bunch of high school seniors on any given Sunday to teach Bible study when you may not have prepared as well as you should have. Uh, because they will they will blast you <laughs> into humility with questions that you might struggle to answer. Now all of a sudden I realized okay this is going to be good for me because now I have to invest time and effort in my own Bible study to prepare during the week to get ready for what's going to come on Sundays. So that was something that I felt real good about, and and we did a lot of that. And that, of course, led to a lot of other activities with high school students, whether it's Disciple Now weekends and having kids in your house and being able to help lead them and develop them. So always seemingly always a passion for working with the students and stuff like that. It wasn't until later in my life, uh, really the last decade, that I felt, again, kind of a little nudge to do more. There's other things you can do. You can be more purposeful or with more intent, more specificity. And we have a group at church that had made a mission trip to Haiti. We Our first year was... The year that they had the earthquake, it was, I guess, now 10 years ago is the first year they went. And it was mainly a group of young adults. It was young professionals who were full of life and energy, and they went down there and they sweated their face off helping people put up these temporary shelters that you see working with Franklin Graham's ministries and folks like that clearing rubble and debris and rebuilding homesteads and putting up what passes for housing, you know, after this event and really meeting the physical needs of a country that was just had been demolished by the earthquake. And they quickly developed a relationship down there with local pastors and things like that and had come alongside them and had worked with them. And I was intrigued by it. My niece actually was part of that group. So for the first couple of years that they went, I'd always kind of listen to the debriefing of their trip, and I would say, you know, that's that that would be something I could I could be interested in. That's something I feel God's kind of nudging me on. The only difference being that the average age of that group um, was considerably less than I was at the time. So it was like, okay, I wonder if the old guy can go and and actually be of value to, the, to this group. So I started to go. I just jumped in. I said, okay, I, I'd like to go, and made that trip. And it was a life changer. I mean, it's, it's a game changer when you have the opportunity to share your faith. And we did everything from backyard Bible studies to vacation Bible school to evening uh, evangelism classes and uh, church service, church worship services down there. And we went, and we stayed a week. In July, sweating like dogs over there, and it was the most amazing time and most amazing experience. It is a country that is so dark, but yet so full of potential. There are Christian men and women who are devoting their lives to working over there, who have set up ministries and so many different opportunities, but it's a country with so many needs, and and it remains that way. But the nice thing is, is when you can go over and walk with the same pastors year after year after year to come alongside them, to lift them up, to pray for them on a regular basis, and to see the lives that they're able to change, then it's so gratifying to see what God's doing over there. you know. And it may be small, and I may never live long enough to see the outcome of some of those lives that are changing, but that's okay, because I feel like I am fulfilling what my responsibility is and my call, you know, and I mean, the Great Commission didn't put any quarantine on anybody. They said go, you know, they didn't say go if it's convenient or go when you're retired or anything else. They said go. And being responsive to that has given me, again, a great peace about that. And I look forward to the time we can go again. I mean, next time I go, I guess will be my ninth year of doing that and you know if I could go multiple times a year I would. So it's just one of those it's one of those ministry opportunities that you fall into that you just say, yeah, this this makes sense. This is what God's called us to do.
0: Yeah, and age doesn't matter. God didn't uh, put an age limit on service. He uh calls you to serve no matter what age, what place you're in in life, he can use you and he wants to use you we just have to open ourselves up to know that we got to go, we got to take that step. And that's great that you took that step. And I'm sure that it's not only changing your life, it's changing those lives of the people around you and watching you and how you're serving in that, in that regard, which brings us to the pandemic. You know, you can't get away with anything without talking about that these days. You know, it's had a, it's had a change for everybody. Most, everybody here in this world now has gone through some kind of change because of the pandemic, whether it be less travel or less interaction with people or what have you. How has the pandemic changed your faith and changed how you serve God right now? You know, the the pandemic
1: is one of those things where it, it depends a lot of times, I think, on on folks' perspective of what they're facing. I mean, it it's critical and and trust me in our family i've got a father-in-law whose immune system is compromised he's considered at risk because of his age and his other health issues so each and every time that we're around him we're super sensitive about where we've been what we're doing how we prepared for our visit to be with him and stuff like that because the last thing anybody wants to do is to be responsible for the 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 disease the COVID nineteen to be spread amongst anyone much less a family member, you know so it's one of those things where you do this and and I appreciate what's gone on in our country from our country's leadership perspective, you know I mean they're diligently trying to lead us and it doesn't matter where your perspective is politically or anything else I don't think anybody's got anything other than well intended um, you know motives. To, to leading our country. But at the same time, this is not about necessarily to me, our government or anything else, because God holds our future, you know, and this is an opportunity for us to just simply say, when we trust God, we walk in confidence that he's in control. And as long as we're seeking him and we're doing his will, then then he's going to lead us in that, in that direction. You know, I can't, it doesn't matter you can take that with a mask or without a mask or anything else you know we want to be good citizens this is one of those things where when folks talk about oh we got to get the churches meeting we got to get we got to get folks back in church and stuff like that and i can appreciate that but i don't see how um you know at this point in time that being putting people at risk is smart because again you want to love your neighbor and you want to love them enough that you don't do anything that puts them at risk. And there's a lot of variables out here. There's a lot of there's a lot of information that's going on. And there's a lot of things that we're learning on a day-to-day basis that changes a lot of the decisions that are being made. So again, patience. I think that there's there's a lot of steps that can be made to make sure that economically our, our government, you know, and our, our country gets back to where it needs to be. Clearly, that is critical as well. But again, it's it's helped my prayer life. I've prayed for a lot of folks. I've prayed for our country overall. I've prayed for our leadership overall. But it's one of those things where I'm still worshiping, whether my worship is a little modified, whether it's a streaming video on Facebook or a YouTube video or watching on television or whatever you do. I know that the church, the local church, is still vitally important. It's what God's called us to do, and congregations are are trying their best to try to figure out how to gather again safely, and that's great. And I hope we can do it next Sunday, if, if that's possible. So I look forward to that, and I know it's going to be one of those things. When we look back at it, uh, it's going to be glorious when we can get back together because there's nothing better than worshiping and lifting each other up and being in close proximity to those folks and not standing six feet away. And that's, and I just, I pray that that time comes sooner than, than later.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's true. And God created us to be together, mm-hmm. He didn't create us to be apart. And we need that support group from our local churches. And I've found too that we're able to focus better because we have less outside influences if you're sitting at the house. I've seen people or I've talked to people who have actually gotten deeper into the word. Uh, you've mentioned your prayer life has gotten gotten better. Personally, my focus for what I should be doing has gotten more laser-like. So we, we have an opportunity now to to better our, our faith and better our walk, and so that when it does get back to that, what we're calling new normal, that we don't get sidetracked with the new normal, and we mm-hmm. still focus on God. Right. Dave, I thank you for your time. I thank you for coming on the show. I'm sure our listeners will... Appreciate what you've had to say. Best of luck to you the next trip to Haiti. I hope you do get to announce a couple of football games this year. Uh, so we, because that means we're back to our new normal.
1: Thanks, Mike. And I, you know, I appreciate what you're doing and this ministry that you are launching that can mean so much to folks if they just take time. And if anything that's been said today resonates, you know, then then great. I appreciate the fact that you have given of your time and talents and resources to try to find a creative way to build God's kingdom and and build folks up and encourage them, because if we don't have each other to encourage each other and lift each other up and pray for each other, then, then it's going to be a real struggle. And clearly, that's what you feel called to do. And it's just an honor to be with you today. And it's good to see you again after so many years of working together side by side with you. You know, we had a great opportunity. I have great admiration for your folks and, and, and uh, you, you and your family and everything else. So I appreciate what you're doing and wish you the very best and luck in the future.